Don't miss David Clark and James O'Keefe at Freedom Summit 2018. Get your tickets today at freedomsummitchicago.com. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So uh, President Trump continues rally around the country uh, in Topeka, Kansas on Saturday night. Oh, yeah. Been to uh, Minnesota. Minnesota, Mississippi, Tennessee. Where's he, where's he going? Missouri. I mean, he's been everywhere. I'm sure he'll be everywhere again in the battleground states in the next 30 days. But uh, obviously part of his message to the faithful is the uh, robust economy, lowest unemployment in half a century. We're seeing uh, some decent wage growth finally, a little bit higher participation rate per uh, the numbers that were released Friday. And so uh, what's the downside? Well, for that. We go to Debbie Downer, Jim Pethokoukas, I mean, our on. friend who is the CNBC contributor and columnist for the American Enterprise Institute. Jim, thanks for joining us. Appreciate and it. he won Jeopardy, right? Jeopardy champion, too, yeah. yeah. Minor detail. <laughs> yes. Just throw indeed, that in. Indeed, indeed I did. Uh, I am also not a Debbie Downer. I am an, I am an optimist. I am also a realist, but I think at my core, I believe I am a very optimistic person. All right. Well, then I want you to explain this piece that I read of yours uh, at uh, the AEI website. Talking, uh, oh, yeah. doing a little historical comparison about uh, how the economy got a little weird in your verbiage uh, 50 years ago when we had uh, unemployment numbers in this range. Right. Well, yeah. The last time unemployment was this low was the, was the late 60s, uh, which was really the beginning uh, of a period of a lot of economic volatility in the economy. As many people remember, uh, inflation got out of control. It was super high. It was 14, 15 percent. After we had that really low unemployment in the 70s, uh, starting actually um, in, right after we hit that unemployment peak, we had you know four recessions over the next 12 years, two of which were really terrible. And I think the lesson we draw is not, oh, no, things are going to get terrible. It's let's not do the dumb things they did back then, exactly. uh, a big one of which is let infl- inflation get out of control by having the Federal Reserve not pay attention to it. The current Federal Reserve is very concerned about inflation. I don't think that would happen. But when the president says things, you know, he's worried about the Fed. He thinks they're too tight. Uh, he likes low interest rates. That's exactly the kind of same mentality that got us in trouble in the 1970s. Hopefully we won't repeat it. Well, well in the 70s, too, we had get long gas lines. I remember being in long lines to get food. It was a scary time. I know how, Dan how doesn't How old remember. are you? Good, no, I remember during grief. Jimmy Carter and our mortgage <laughs> – I'll never forget. We had a thirty-year fixed mortgage rate. It was eighteen percent. Well, yeah, I mean, but, it was insane. That's why people are buying houses and with cash. But it was the underlying fiscal policy that I mean, monetary policy. Part, but you know, wage and price controls under Nixon, bad idea. Yeah, we did a lot of dumb stuff, right? right? So I mean, so 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 there's the the fiscal policy choices, uh, James, uh, to address. But then there's the monetary policy, and you were sort of getting to it. And I want you to assess the job because we're sort of in uncharted territory after 10 years of quantitative easing or easy money where the Fed is trying to unwind from the last decade of monetary policy, yes? Uh, yeah, I mean, and so, and so far you have to think it's done a, good, uh, a pretty good job. Uh, I mean, the unemployment rate is really low, and one reason it's really low is that we've had a very long, if not spectacularly, you know, fast, uh, slow and steady expansion. And as that goes on, it's sort of ground down the unemployment rate lower and lower now that it's, you know, at decades low. And uh, if we, if this keeps going, you know, by the time 
2019-2020 rolls around, the unemployment rate could be 3%, which is as low as it's been uh, since the 1950s. So, um, you know, slow and steady, fingers crossed, so far so good. All right. Uh, you wrote an article recently about the Trump's new trade deal with Canada and Mexico. What did we get right? What did we get wrong with that? Well, uh, I don't I, I don't think this is a deal uh, which is going to have a huge impact. Uh, to send has impact, maybe slightly worse. Uh, but listen, we're a very big economy. We have a much bigger economy than Mexico and it's in Canada. So it's sort of really tough to screw up these trade deals uh, from the American point of view. And, you know, when the markets went up after the deal was signed, it was really because we, you know, there was a lot of relief that we weren't just going to abandon this trade deal. So uh, new NAFTA is pretty much the same as old NAFTA. The old NAFTA was a perfectly fine, lovely trade deal for the United States. Uh, So basically that deal uh, is still in place. I know the president acts like there's been some massive change. Uh, there really hasn't. And now on to China. Yeah, and on to China. Um, is it your sense that the president's real play with trade policy at sort of the 30,000-foot uh, level, it's to break China, right? I don't know. Uh, the, pre- the president, there's not a single message coming from the White House. The president, when he gets on one of sort of his feels about China, it really it's really classic Trump where he's worried about they're taking advantage of it. We have there's a big trade deficit. Uh, boy, they need to buy more stuff. That is a completely different theory from the uh, you know rising China. Uh, they're gonna, they're going to become the the leaders in technology. It's a completely different argument, and I hear both from the White House. The president seems to like the former uh, better than the latter. So I am not entirely sure what the goal is, and that. It, when the president talks about, oh, we're going to get a deal, that makes me think it's more about them buying more sorghum than us changing <laughs> sort of the, the, the broader Chinese economic model. Well, right. But I mean, it, but but uh, sort of inflicting some punishment there uh, for currency manipulation, for intellectual property theft. And yeah, but the president and, but he doesn't talk much about that stuff. He doesn't talk well, know. very rarely to talk about the intellectual property stuff. I mean, and the, I mean, what is the point? Is the point like helping us or it's inflicting damage on China. I mean, uh, those aren't necessarily the same thing, and what's bad for them isn't necessarily good for us. They need to pick a theory about what they're doing because that will go a great that, – that's the difference between these tariffs being a tactic and we'll sign a deal and then back to normal, or these tariffs are going to be there for like the next 10 years, and it's going to totally, totally change the economic relation between these two countries and how China does business. Well, Again – it's not clear what they're choosing. Well, 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 well right. But it, it is clear that the, the it seems to me that President Trump wants to sort of, um, well, uh, put some distance between the United States and China as uh, you know global economic powerhouses. And I know there is some distance now, but for all for the last twenty years of you know the rise of China, uh, he wants uh, it seems to me be the president that keep, puts China in its place and maybe with his ta- talk you know, intermittent as it is um, with respect to China, it is to uh, uh, present China with a um, an understanding that they're if they have to play ball, if they want some face saving option, because they'll destroy their economy before he can destroy ours. Right. Uh, that is that is a theory. Uh, 
when the president says we're going to get a deal, that makes me think that's not necessarily the theory. You know, uh, if, if the goal is them to buy more stuff and lower the deficit between our two countries, then um, then then we'll be we'll be done with this in three months, and it's going to be business as usual. China's economy is not going to be destroyed or fundamentally changed um, by lowering a tariff here. Uh, buying more, uh, you know, right. natural gas products from the right. U.S. That, I mean, that could be the case. I, it's just unclear, and it's a little concerning. And and where do you think Kudlow figures into this mix, since he's sort of the one uh, philosophical free trader in the group? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's one voice of several. Um, uh, the, the president also has this economic advisor, Peter Navarro, mm-hmm. who's famous for his book. Uh, death by China. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have to like explain what right. the book's about. Right. It's death by China in all aspects of selling us dangerous products or killing our economy. And I think the president is more sort of philosophically in tune to what Peter Navarro says. Larry would like to think this is all just tactics on the way to a free trade nirvana of no subsidies, no tariffs, no government. Uh, I don't think that's I don't think that's where we're going. That does not seem to be at all with what President Trump has talked about. Uh, I hope I hope that idea of Larry's uh, begins to bloom in the administration. But so far, uh, I, I, I that does not seem to me to be the direction they're going. All right, and so uh, here in Chicago, we got that Harold Hill character, Elon Musk, trying to sell us a monorail. So. Um, uh, your uh, view on Elon Musk's uh, SEC problems and what that means for the future of driverless cars and, and car spaceships and tiny homes and underground railroads. It was a and $20 all that, million all dollar tweet, really. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Tesla is a real company. Uh, SpaceX is a real company doing uh, amazing things. Like a lot of uh, – maybe perhaps a lot of our leaders, they should probably tweet less. But, uh, you know, uh, Elon Musk has created real fantastic products and is a pretty important entrepreneur. Um, there's other people working on driverless cars who are probably ahead of Elon Musk, such as, such as Google. Uh, I, you know, I, you know I, I like entrepreneurs. Uh, he's, a, you know, he's a colorful character, uh, but he's actually accomplishing real stuff. Um, I like entrepreneurs that are not welfare queens. <laughs> Six and a half billion dollars in federal subsidies. Well, you know, the, do you have, the, do you have a position in his flamethrower company or something? You know, the Nobel Prize that was given out was given out to two uh, two people. Uh, one, Paul Romer, uh, who's done a lot of work on innovation and the importance of uh, ideas to economic growth. The other guy's William Nordhaus, who's done some fantastic work on the economic modeling uh, of climate change. If you think all climate change is a scam, and every you know all these scientists and economists are wrong. You're right. Then, you know, you know, the talk about electric cars is a little bit differently. If you think there's something there, then you view it differently as well. All right. He is Jimmy Pathakoukas, CNBC contributor, columnist for the American Enterprise <laughs> Institute. Jim, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. All right. You betcha. See you, See you later, Tiger. Uh, and he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.